Hey, so we've been in this series on Kairos for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking. I know you can already recite the whole series already. Hey, if I was to throw out a question, what was the first one? Was knowing the time, knowing the time that we're in. The following week, we shared about knowing our position and knowing our purpose. And we looked at the life of Esther remember that about that she was ready she was made queen for such a time as this then we shared about knowing our response what is our response during this time during the season that we're in and then last week I shared a message called and suddenly what happens when all of a sudden things happen when God starts moving and we need to be prepared we need to be ready be ready be ready in the na- in the words of TD Jakes get ready get ready get ready church are you ready for this time for this kairos time so chronos there's two greek words for for time in the bible one is chronos which is a logical sequential approach to time. It's about minutes, seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, months, days, and so forth. But kairos, kairos is a favorable moment for decision or action. It's a moment in which something significant is going to happen and in which God intends to do something. And this isn't something we're waiting for. This isn't something we're expecting to happen. I believe we are in this place right now. We are in a Kairos moment. Come on in, people. Kronos is measured by sequence. There's some seats here in the front here, two seats here. Come on in, take a seat. Kronos, Kronos, good morning. Blessed are the latecomers. <laughs> we'll do the walk of shame. Oh dear. No, you're welcome. Hey, you you made it. You made it. Well done. And you you're getting the best bit. You're getting the message. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but Kronos is measured by sequence. Whereas whereas uh sorry, yeah, Kronos is me- is measured by sequence, whereas Kairos is measured by impact. It's measured by impact. It's that moment in your life that could change the course of your life forever. And I, I just put it down, number one, salvation. That moment of salvation, when you, get, when you said yes to Jesus, that moment, that was the Kairos moment when that, your whole life changed direction. So I know that a number of us have experienced that. Maybe it was a healing, a significant healing that you received in your body at, at a certain time that will change your life forever. And we're going to look at a scripture in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, where there is a very definite kairos moment. And we'll start in verse 14, just to give a little bit of context, but the emphasis is on 15. And it's, this is the gospel of Mark, and it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15, the time, and Jesus was saying these words, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I'm going to say it again. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time, leave it up for, if you don't mind, uh, Um, Johnny, 
couldn't remember your name for a minute. He's been gone for about a, a month. We've forgotten his name already. No, I'm just kidding, Johnny. We know who you are. But, but Jesus is saying the time, that's a kairos time. That's a kairos time. This is the moment of divine opportunity. This is the appointed period of time. Jesus didn't come along. There's nothing haphazard in the kingdom. There's nothing haphazard in the kingdom. This was an appointed period of time, appointed by God. It's a decisive time. It's a strategic opportunity. This is when Jesus is going into his ministry, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is at hand. It means it's within hands, within arms reach. It's within arms reach. Um, the kingdom of God is here. So where there's a kingdom, when there's a kingdom, there's a king, right? If there's a kingdom, there's a king. God is present. Johnny, can you put it back up again? God is present. Heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand, means the heaven is here upon the earth. The divine is present to touch humanity. The divine is present to touch humanity. Then he goes on. Repent. Repent. Hallelujah. Repent. What's that mean? Turn around. Thank you, whoever said that. Thank you. Somebody's listening. Repentance is not about feeling sorry for your sin. Okay, that is not what repentance. Repent, the, word, the Greek word for repent is, uh, is metanoia. It means change your mind, change direction. In other words, turn your back on sin and turn towards God. The time of, is fulfilled. The kairos time is here. Turn your back on distractions and let's see what God is saying at this time, in this moment. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Where am I in my notes? I have no idea. Believe in the gospel. And believing is not just head knowledge. It's not just ascending mentally to, yes, Jesus was a good man. <laughs> no, he, wasn't, he was a good man, but he was more than that. Jesus was the savior of the world. He's the one who laid down his life so that you and I could have eternal life. So believe, be fully persuaded. And it doesn't just say believe the gospel. It's believe in the gospel. Believe in the one that Jesus, who Jesus is. Believe in him. Believe in him. He laid down his life. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And that's what we're going to focus on today in the time that's remaining. And so last week we spoke about the end suddenlies. But this week, the title of my message is Divine Interruption. A divine interruption. We're going to start and we're going to look at Jesus' third miracle. And um, it's in, in the Gospel of John. And it's sometimes known as the stirring of the water. The stirring of the water. And John 5, verses 2 to 8. Okay, we can move on now. Thanks, Johnny. There it says, there it is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, 
which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. And I love that name. It means house of mercy. There it is in the house of mercy. It had five porches. And in these porches lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. They were in a bad way, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time, Kairos, that's a Kairos time. An angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. There was a certain man there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, Kronos, Kronos time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Good question, but he's been lying there for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, says, sir, I have no man. He doesn't say yes or no. He says, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming... Another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. What an amazing account. This is Jesus' third miracle. You know, and we, we're just going to break it down a little bit here and um, just look a little bit into the detail of this. So given this account, there were a large number of people. In fact, it says a great multitude. Normally a multitude means about 100 people. But this wasn't just a multitude. It was a great multitude. There were a lot of people that were lying there sick, blind, um, lame, and paralyzed. And included in this group was this man who'd been there for 38 years and Jesus, it's, the Bible says that Jesus saw him lying there and already knew that he'd been there for a long time. Think, how did he know that? Maybe it was obvious. Maybe it was pretty obvious. You know, if you've been lying in a condition like, like this guy had been in for 38 years, I think it might have shown. You know, I don't know that it was a, a gift of the Spirit of God. I think, no, I think it was just a bit of common sense, actually. But this guy had been lying there, and I, I, I just try to imagine what, it, what he must have been going through. You know, perhaps he'd given up hope. You know, he, 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 he was lethargic. He couldn't, he was paralyzed, he couldn't move, he was lame, he couldn't move, he couldn't get up. He was um, um, lethargic, hopeless, despondent. You know, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, doesn't it? You know, if when, you, when, you, when you're trusting for something and you're believing for something and it doesn't come through and it doesn't come through, it causes depression, can cause depression in our hearts if we allow it to. And so Jesus asks him this question and says, do you want to be made well? And he doesn't answer the question with a yes, please. <laughs> he, instead, he says, um, I've got no means to get into the pool. So he starts immediately looking you know, because it's, it's in that situation, it's each man to himself. Each one to whoever gets in the pool first. So each man to himself. So this guy was in a bit of a dichotomy. 
He had hope to be healed, but he had no means to get it. So it was a bit of a dichotomy. And the place, the place was filled with all these people, but they didn't realize that Jesus was there, the healer. He was there amongst them. They didn't see him. They just didn't see him. Why? Because their eyes were fixed on the water. Their eyes were fixed on that pool. That's where their eyes were. This man who'd, who'd been infirm for 38 years, he didn't see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him. I love that word that Chris was praying over during the worship about the God who sees. He is El Roy, R-O-I, not R-O-Y, El Roy. He's the God who sees. You know what? It doesn't matter what you go. I'm sorry for what you're going through. If you've been going through a really rough time this week, but you know what? You're not on your own. God sees what you're going through. He understands what you're going through. He feels your pain. He's, he's touched with our, with, our, with our infirmities. He really does. He sees you. You're not invisible to Jesus. He's the God who sees. And he goes up to the sky and he says, rise, <laughs> take up your bed and walk. The guy hadn't been able to do that for 38 years. And immediately, by the spoken word that Jesus spoke over his life, the power is in the word of God. He says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And this is what happens. The guy rises for the first time in 38 years. And he starts walking. It wasn't one of these progressive healings where it's like a little bit shaky. No, no, no. He stood up. He had full, he was made whole. The Bible said he was made whole. He was made well. He was fully restored to full health, made whole. This was a Kairos moment. This was a Kairos moment. That man was miraculously healed. And not only did he stand up, rise up, and walk, but he carried his bed. You know what? If I, I don't know if any of you have ever been ill for a couple of days, and, you know, you lie in bed. It's like, oh, woe is me. I'm really feeling quite miserable. I'm really feeling ill. But you lie in bed maybe for a day, two days, three days. By the time you get out of your bed, I don't know about you, but you look quite shaky, you feel quite weak. No, this guy, rise and walk and pick up your bed at the same time. You know, come on, when God does a work, you know, he does, a, he does a complete work. He doesn't do half measures. God does a complete work. He's the one who heals us. He's the one, with, with that healing comes strength. He strengthens us. He quickens us. I was thinking of it this morning. He gives life to our mortal bodies you know what, sometimes on a Sunday, you know what, I also get tired, <laughs> believe it or not, but sometimes I, think, I have to encourage myself in the Lord. No, the Holy Spirit will give life to this mortal body in Jesus' name. I will rise up. Come on, and you do have to do the same. There's no, there's no, there's no exceptions here, but he, he strengthens us. He quickens us. He comforts us. He gives us exactly what we have need of. And that's what happened in this, in, this, um, in this man's life, in that pool of Bethesda. And it was a moment of impact. 
That was a Kairos moment, a moment of impact. It was a moment of interruption. It was a divine interruption. This man's life was divinely interrupted. And it wasn't that God caused what he was going through, but God interrupted him. And, and even if God doesn't cause the interruption, but he could still be in it. He could still be in it. A kairos could be something that, I just want to make sure I get this wording right, that interrupts the normal course of events. It could be a kairos moment. And within that moment, within that kairos, within that interruption, that's where the miracle takes place. In that kairos, in that moment, in that hardship, in that pain. Why? Because of the God who sees. El Roy. God saw and prepared a miracle in advance for that, for that man. And it's as though when I'm reading this, this scripture in, in John's gospel, I felt like Jesus would have been repeating Mark chapter 1 verse 15. That when he walked into that pool of Bethesda, and he, he walked in and said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The king and his kingdom are here. Repent, change your thinking, change direction, and believe in the gospel. Come on. This is what happened. Heaven is here, touching earth. Stop looking at the hopelessness of your situation. Stop looking to the water for your, for your freedom. Stop looking at what you think should be done. Start looking to Jesus. Start keeping your eyes, turn your eyes towards God and believe. 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 There's something about believing. Come on, like Chris was sharing earlier, it's time to raise our faith expectations. We cannot go through life hoping, a wishing, and a hoping, and on a wing of a prayer. No, no, it's time to raise our expectations. Start believing. Start believing that what he says in his word is truth. Start believing it. Believe that he is able to make all grace abound towards you. Make all grace abound towards you. That having all sufficiency in all things. Come on, we may have an abundance for every good work. It's time to start believing that God can make all things work together for good for those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's about time we change the way we think. It's a time we change the way we think. Start believing the gospel. Start believing in the power of God, that God's, God's presence is here to touch lives and to heal people. That's his purpose. We look at another, another example in the Bible, and that's the woman with the issue of blood. So we're talking about divine interruptions. The woman with the issue of blood is in, excuse me, sniffing, is in Mark chapter 5. And the context of this is, <coughs> sorry, that Jesus was on his way to heal uh, uh, Jairus' daughter who was lying at the point of death. And then suddenly, he, Jesus was interrupted by a woman. And so instead of, thank you, Chris, 
He politely threw a tissue at me. This woman interrupted Jesus, this woman who'd had this issue of blood for 12 years. And this woman who had this issue of blood would have been classified as ceremonially and socially unclean. She would have been ostracized. In other words, if this was the, if this was the synagogue on the day, she would have had to have remained outside. She's not welcome in here. She would have been ostracized. She would have been excommunicated. She's unclean. And if you touch anybody that's unclean, you have to go through a ritual yourself and get cleansed. Praise God, we're no longer under this law. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. But this woman would have suffered shame, humiliation, scorn, loneliness, despair. Can you imagine how she must have felt? She didn't ask for this thing. I'm sure she would even have said, you know, why me? Why, why is this thing on me? She, after 12 years of enduring this, she was sick. The Bible says she'd suffered much and she'd lost it all. And it, she'd basically come to the end of her own options, of her choices. And sometimes that's a good place to be. I don't, I don't like saying things like that, but I've been in the position, in fact, I think I'm probably going in that myself right now, that when we come to the end of our option, when we come to the end of ourselves, then we can invite Jesus in. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's when we can come to Jesus expectant. And we can start releasing our faith, start expecting God. So we're going to read here in Matthew 5, 27 to 28. So this woman, when she heard about Jesus, she'd been ostracized, she'd been socially unacceptable, but suddenly she heard about Jesus. And she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. This, is, this, is an, uh, this isn't a divine interruption. This is a human interruption. She's interrupting Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' daughter who lies at the point of death. This woman butts in, but in a good way. She said, she, she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Talk about an expectancy. I shall be made well. Not maybe. Well, I hope so. Well, let's touch wood. No. I shall be made well. I shall be made well. And verse 29, she goes on. And it says, immediately, immediately, the fountain, just like that, just one look, just one touch, just one touch of the master, just one touch of our Jesus, the blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? In other words, it's just this whole, this huge crowd, this densely packed crowd, and they're all around him. And you say, who touched me? There were dozens that were pressing but only one that was touching. You know what? There's a difference between pressing and touching. There's a big difference. This woman touched his garment. The crowds were pressing, but she touched him. Flesh presses. 
faith touches. And faith is what touches God. This is what touches God. This is, this is the place where, where God was invited in. When she reached out in faith, touching God. God, this is for me. This is my Kairos moment. This is my Kairos moment. This is where God is allowed and welcomed. He's welcomed humanity to interrupt divinity. You know, we can pray. We can pray the most wonderful prayers. Oh, Lord. And, man, you can get emotional. Oh, you don't know. Lord, you know what I'm going through. Yes, well, tell him. And tell him, but be, tell him what you're expecting. Let's, let's start releasing our faith. Because this is what gets God's this is what gets his attention when we start releasing our faith. Fa flesh presses, oh, manipulates, manipulates, but faith touches. What does God say? What does God say? You know what? And according to the thinking of the day, if anyone touched this woman, they would have become unclean. But when she touched Jesus' garment... Jesus wasn't made unclean, but she was made whole. She was made whole. He didn't become unclean. And then he goes on, and it says in verse 32, Jesus looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And listen to the tenderness. I, 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 just reading about this, this the last couple of days, the tenderness of Jesus. He said to her, daughter, it's the only time Jesus calls someone daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. There is so much tenderness. There is so much kindness of Jesus in this. God was touched by her faith. Jesus was touched by her faith. And not once does Jesus call out what her sickness was. Not once. In fact, he hides it. He covers it. Love covers a multitude, doesn't it? Love just covers. It doesn't reveal. Love covers. And this woman made the most of her Kairos moment. This was a moment of impact and a moment of interruption. She'd experienced the kingdom of heaven being at hand. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. She changed direction from what she'd been told, that she had to go stand outside of the temple, and instead what she did was she pressed in to Jesus. She drew near to him and believed the gospel. She believed the gospel, she, and she believed Jesus, that Jesus was willing and able to heal her, and she received. So in the account of the man who'd been lying at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, we see divinity interrupting humanity. But with the woman with the issue of blood, for 12 years, we see humanity interrupting divinity. But in both occasions... In both moments of interruption, moments of impact, there are miracles that break out. So you might say, so Sandy, what's this got to do with me? <laughs> Good question. We're not just here to just get a whole bunch of head knowledge, isn't it? How does this apply in our lives? 
How, what, what is the, what's the takeaway? How do, I, how do I apply this in my life? How do I know when I'm having a Kairos moment? How do I know? Next week, we're going to hear some testimonies. Are you ready for some testimonies? Yes. Amen. I am. I'm ready to hear what God's been doing in people's Kairos moments. But I want to put it to you that when life becomes disrupted or suddenly interrupted, there could be the possibility of a Kairos moment in your life when there's this unexpected suddenly. When life becomes disrupted, we can know that even if God's not caused the disruption, he can still use it for his purposes. And I just want to emphasize this. I'm, I'm going to read it to make sure that I don't mess it up because it's so important. Just because you experience an interruption in your life doesn't necessarily mean you're going through a Kairos moment, okay? I just want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. But it could be a Kairos moment if we allow God in. So if we're experiencing an interruption in our lives, not saying God hasn't brought it on, okay, but it could be that moment of interruption. And you know what, regardless of the size of the interruption, sometimes we go through minor little glitches, you know, little, oops, oh, I didn't expect that to happen, but it's okay. Other times, there can be a sudden brick wall. Man, those are major interruptions. But whether it's caused by the devil, because we do have an enemy and his name is Satan, whether it's caused by the devil, whether it's caused by others, or even caused by ourselves. Romans 8 says that God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when we're going through a moment of interruption or a moment of disruption, it's often associated with the sense that we are out of control. We do not have control over a certain situation. And in some ways, that's a good thing. <laughs> in some ways, that is a good thing. Because here is an opportunity for God to get involved. Here's an opportunity for God to get involved, to move in and to build faith in my life. The opposite of faith, you know, I know we've heard hundreds of faith teachings, doubt, unbelief, but I tell you what, I think one of the opposites of faith is, is self-control, is, is control, not self-control, is control. There's no need to trust God when we are in control. What, we don't need to, you know what, if our bank account is full, if we've got an if we've got a, a fantastic salary or even just enough salary coming in at the end of every month, my health is okay, guess what? I don't need God. I'm in control. I'm fully in control. But suddenly, we have an interruption. We have an interruption. We could be like that man at the pool of Bethesda, looking at the pool, looking at the water, hoping for a sudden move of God, looking for an easy way out, looking for an easy fix. And I'm not denying that what you're going through is not hard. I'm not saying that. But some, personally, I'm always looking for an easy fix. 
I don't like to struggle. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one here. I don't like to struggle. I don't like to suffer. It's like, don't, I want, once I'm in a situation, let me get out of here as quickly as possible. Where's that water? Let me think about it. How can I get out of this situation that I'm in? But you know what? We all, we have a part to play. We do have a part to play. If we uh, look at Mark 1 verse 15 and apply, the time is fulfilled. The Kairos time is here. This is an opportune moment. This is a moment where conditions are right for the accomplishment of God in my life. Maybe. Maybe this is a moment in my life where God wants to do something in me during this time. The king and the kingdom is here. The king and the kingdom is here in the midst of this situation, in the midst of this interruption. God is here. God is here. Repent. Change the way you think. Change, stop looking at the water and turn your eyes onto Jesus. Change direction and believe in him. Follow after him. Do as he says to do. Walk in his ways in the midst of it. We're not going to be like that man at the pool of Bethesda. Keep your eyes off the water. Stop looking for the natural answer. Stop looking for the easier way out. But let's be like that woman with the issue of blood. Let's reach out to him. Let's press into him. Let's, let's touch him. Let's touch Jesus. Let's reach out to him and let's believe him. And I really believe that today, God is saying to a number of us today, in the midst of your current interruption, trust me. Trust me. Believe me. You're going to come through this. You're going to come through this. But in the midst of it, stop looking. There, there are things we can do, but let's not look to the water. Let's not look to the easy way out. Let's keep our eyes on him. Let's invite him into our interruption and see what he says. You know, it's easy to get distracted with the interruption, with the issue. But we need to ask ourselves the question, God, what are you doing in my life in the midst of this? What are you doing in my life in the midst of this? How should I respond? Chris, my, my wonderful husband, this is, his, this is his attitude no matter what he goes through. He's always asking the question, God, what are, you, what are you doing in my life? He can be facing the most horrific pressure at work, and uh, some of it's unpleasant to see. <laughs> but he will always ask the question, God, what are, you, what are you doing in my life? And he keeps on doing things God's way. He keeps on. When the pressure's mounting, he keeps on. He stays consistent. Listen to what Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 in the message says. I love this version. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. This is a word for someone. God will help you deal with, with whatever hard things come 
when the time comes. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. In other words, be present where you are. Let's not look for the way of escape. Let's not look for the quick way out of this. Let's, God, what are you saying to me? How should I respond in this situation? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? How do I yield to you in the midst of this interruption? And the way we do it, spend time seeking him, turning our eyes onto him, taking our eyes off the water. You know, in that, in that account, there were great multitudes that had their eyes on the water. There were multitudes of them. As a result, they were captivated. They were caught up in their situation. But none of them were looking to Jesus, to the one who could deliver them. He was in their midst. He was right there in their midst. And I want to end with this. The man didn't need to get in the pool. He didn't actually need to get in the pool. The, 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 the water had nothing to do with his healing. All the water did was bring him to that place. It brought him to that place. It put him in that place, that position to receive from Jesus, that Bethesda, that house of mercy. That's what happened, that house of mercy. That's where Jesus found him, in the house of of mercy. Let this be a house of mercy where people can come in and be restored, where Jesus can touch lives. That's what that's our heart for this for this house. What if the place you are at right now in the midst of the interruption is exactly where God wants you? Oh no, don't say that. But what if it's where God wants you? He's not causing it, but he wants to do something in you. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants all of you to trust him, to look to him, to do things his way. You know what? We shared last week about Asbury University, how when the time was right at Asbury University, there's a revival breaking out all across universities in America, when the time was right, at that Kairos time. It took 133 years. Yes, they had little moments in those 133 years, but on the 8th of February, all heaven broke out. The kingdom of God was at hand and continues to work out in, in uh, Asbury University. This is the time. The man at the pool of Bethesda, after 38 years, he had his Kairos moment. The woman with the issue of woman at the issue of blood, 12 years, and she had that encounter with the Lord. God's timing and His methods are perfect. God's timing and His methods are perfect. But in the meantime, Lord, what are you saying? to me. You know what? We started January this year with a series called Encounter. I'd suggest we go back. Just in this week ahead, just go back and listen to some of the messages on Encounter. It's so important. And now on Kairos, let's make sure we're encountering the Lord in the midst of the interruption, seeking his face, seeking his wisdom, and seeking his ways. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray.